Hey, everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. As always, we are broadcasting this episode of Bikes and Big Ideas from Crested Butte, Colorado. And again, after we get past our current world of travel restrictions and sheltering in place and whatnot, we hope that you will come spend some time on our amazing network of trails here in the Gunnison Valley. Today on the show, we are talking about B Corps, B Corporations. And I suspect that most of us have heard the term B Corp, but I also have a hunch that not a lot of us really know what exactly it means for a company to become a certified B Corp business. So to get a better understanding of this, we decided to talk to a company that has just gone through the process of becoming a certified B Corp, Chris King Precision Components. And earlier this week, I spoke to Chris King's general manager, Chris, aka Kirby Bedsall, about the actual experience of becoming a B Corp, why they decided to do it, and more. And along the way, you'll also learn a good bit about how Chris King Precision Components operates and approaches manufacturing in their home base of Portland, Oregon. Now, it's also worth noting that Chris King is now one of the very few companies in the bike industry that is a certified B Corp. As of this recording, there are 3,301 certified B Corp companies around the world in 150 different industries and in 71 countries. But there are very few B Corp companies in the bike industry and even fewer B Corp companies that are actually manufacturing products. And so to all of you who might either work for or are just a loyal customer of a company in the bike industry or the broader outdoor industry, I hope this conversation will give you a better sense of the value of going through the B Corp process and what it entails. And so with that, let's get to my conversation with Kirby Bedsall of Chris King Precision Components. Here we go. Well, Kirby, how are you today and where are you today? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm doing good. And I'm actually sitting here at the uh, Chris King facility in Portland, Oregon. So we've got a lot of ground to cover today. And so let's just get into it. To get started, can you give us the concise version of what it is that Chris King Precision Components does and sort of is? <laughs> well, we are uh, a U.S.-based manufacturing company for bicycle components. We basically make everything here. So we design, engineer, manufacture, assemble, and ship all of our product out of this building here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, we ship it all across the U.S. And, and we're a global company as well. As I said, we're a manufacturer. So, you know, we make uh, pretty much 99% of our product right here in this building. It's about a 75,000 square foot building. And uh, we do everything from uh, making our own bearings, which is really the secret to our product. We do all milling and turning here and, you know, make all of our stuff right here. So given our present COVID-19 situation, 
how are things at Chris King right now and how normal or abnormal is the operation? <laughs> I think it's more abnormal right now. Uh, so we're doing well. As you know, this is a uh, very interesting time that we're in. We were able to kind of get ahead of this early and uh, myself and our HR person uh, decided to adopt the CDC guidelines right when this all started happening. Um, we felt that, you know, back in March, that if things kept going and things started getting deeper and deeper on regulations and whatnot, we were going to need a solid guideline to follow and guide us um, to try to keep us in business. So, you know, we kept two major goals in mind. Uh, one was how do we keep everyone safe? And then two, how do we keep everybody employed? So we were able to uh, figure out how to get 25% of our staff out of the building uh, immediately. And that was definitely a, um, that was a lot of work on our IT side and our sales side. You know, being a manufacturer, we've got a lot of stuff that happens here in the building. So, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of remote working going on. So we were able to get 25% of our staff out, working remote, getting all the systems up and going as fast as possible, and then left the building for all the uh, people that had to be here, um, which is our, basically our production staff. And then a few of us uh, in the management roles, so HR, uh, production management, myself, um, and, and then just started uh, reconfiguring our building. So we started making one-way walkways, put a lot of um, symbols on the ground to say this is what six feet looks like. Luckily, we've got tiles all over the place and they're all one foot tiles. So it's pretty easy to go just look down. And if you're six of these away from each other, you're good. As soon as the CDC released about masks, we started making masks here. Um, so we were giving everybody masks uh, for here and to take with them for outside the building. Um, we do have somebody in our assembly department that does so, so that worked out pretty well. And yeah, so we're, you know, I'm really proud that we're 100% still employed and it's not been an easy task to do that. Uh, we did get on that first round of PPP funding, um, so that really helped out. Uh, we worked with our one of our banking relationships and, and they were really good to us and, and we worked really hard out of the gate, got it. You know, for everything that's going on, we're doing relatively well, but it is definitely a challenge. Uh, it, it, it has changed. You know, we have a culture here that we really like to call ourselves family here in this building. So to keep these distances and even our cafe that we have where people can come and eat or bring their lunch and eat, you know, we had to limit that to only whatever. I think it's 16 people can be in there at a time. And that thing sits like a hundred and you know, whatever, 120 people. So, or 150 people actually. So it's just all those things. Um, I mean, you got to do them, but they, they're not, you know, they're not what we like to do. They're, it feels very weird, um, but we're doing it and we're kicking out product and we've got people who are ordering parts and, and we're going to keep supporting the bike shops and well, we're doing all right. So we're going to get talking about B Corps and B Corp certifications and sort of what that is and what that involves and all the rest since Chris King has just picked up this new B Corp certification. But just before we get there, let's talk a little bit about how long have you been at Chris King 
And what sort of roles have you played there and what is your current position? I guess officially I've been with Chris King for 20 years, I think is probably wow. where I'm at, where I'm at. I don't, I don't do a good job of keeping track of that kind of stuff for myself. <laughs> when you're having fun, time just flies. It's like, I, I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> um, so I started uh, when the company moved from Santa Barbara to Redding, California. I came on as just a, uh, a sales associate and um, then took over the sales management role. And then when the uh, company decided to uh, move to here to Portland, um, I helped in some of the transition work to get the company ready to move to Portland. My wife and I, my wife is from Tennessee, so she she really wanted to kind of go back to the East Coast uh, and have kids and want to be around family. So I left Chris, uh, you know, got the company kind of in, a, in the position it needed to to move on the sales side. Moved to Asheville, North Carolina, um, was there for 10 years, and about seven of those 10 years, uh, Chris and I continued to work together, um, and I worked as kind of a liaison on the East Coast for him, but it was more just going to events with him, uh, with the company, and and helping out any way I could. It was kind of a side side deal for me just because I love the company and had such a good relationship with Chris that I it, there's no way I could really ever probably dislodge from the company. And then uh, almost seven years ago, uh, Chris and I were talking and, and he was ready for somebody to kind of start, you know, I don't want to say taking over the company, uh, but, you know, he's been doing this for a long time. He's like, I want to get out of the management stuff of this company. I, I want to start doing the things that I love, which is design and engineering. And, and I don't want to worry about HR and payroll and accounting and all that fun stuff that goes along with it. You know, we decided to come back together. So now I occupy the role of general manager here and have for almost seven years. Okay. B Corp. You and I have talked a bit about this previously. And my whole thing is I just thought, I think at this point, I suspect that a lot of people that pay attention to the outdoor industry have heard of B Corp and have a let's say at least a kind of vague sense of what it means. But I thought this would be really interesting to have you just specifically talk about the process of going through the B Corp certification, why you guys decided to do this. And so that's kind of the, I guess, the mission, you know, here today. And so I guess let's start there how did B Corp sort of get on your radar and how did the even sort of initial conversation come about? Like, let's just put it as, Hey folks, is this something that we ought to think about doing here at Chris King? Sure. A uh, great question. Um, yeah. So B Corp is, you know, I think it's been thrown around here at King for a while, to be honest. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly when the first, uh, when the first talk of it was, but I think it's been kind of tossed around here and there and in everything from, you know, green certifications and anything out there like that has been talked about uh, within the company for quite a while. Where B Corp started to kind of stand out, I think is here in Portland, we have a, a pretty big B Corp network here in Portland. Um, and I just happen to know other B Corp people um, or other companies that are B Corps and happen to know the owners or, you know, operators. 
And um, I just started really picking their brain about, you know, what is really, what is B Corp really doing for you? What, what, you know, what do you think, why are you doing it? What, what is all this really about? And I came at that because we have been sitting around our company for years going, we can't be the only person trying to talk about this stuff. It, I mean, in order to do, in order to spread kind of what we've done here um, and try to help other manufacturers or just show another way of doing things, it's really hard to do it by yourself. Um, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of resources. It, you know, it takes a huge marketing campaign. Um, you know, first you got to get people interested and then they got to actually start paying attention to it. So the more I learned about B Corps and started talking to, to other people in the B Corp family, I was like, wow, so this is really kind of more or less uh, an organization that like-minded people are coming together and they're working on doing better. Um, it's not just like, hey, I got a B Corp, you know, I'm, I'm certified B Corp, I'm done, yay. It's more, no, now I get a table to sit at with a lot of other people that think the same way. And you get this opportunity now to really start working on things as a group versus just an individual. So I think that's really when I started seeing the, you know, why should we do this? Um, it definitely wasn't that I thought they were doing something uh, well above and beyond anything that we could do. But they they have done a great job at bringing these people together for a voice. That's it. That's when I was like, OK, we need to get in on this. I think we can do it. And so we started the process. So that was about three years ago when I really started digging into it, started like meeting with people. And then when I came to my marketing, uh, my marketing guy, Bob, and I said, hey, you know, how much how much do you think this is going to take for us to continue to talk about what we do internally to the outside world just by ourselves versus something like this? And he said, listen, <laughs> if we can become a B Corp, he goes, that gives us you know, a lot more horsepower because we have more voices at the table. So I was like, all right, let's do this thing. So we sat down and, you know, kind of hashed a plan together and, and uh, knew it was going to be a long road, uh, looked at the assessment and was like, wow, okay, so this is, you know, a lot of documentation. Um, and I get it, you know, I know why you need to document all this stuff. Yeah, so got the team together and, and everybody rallied around it and we all knew it was going to be tough, um, but we put our heads down and and it made sense to go for it. And one of the things I guess I, I should say, and I think I have this correct, Chris King Components is now either the only B Corp certified company in the bike industry or one of very few. Do I have that right? Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's a the B Corp is a global it's a global deal. Okay, so it's you know it's all over the world. It's not just U.S. based. I believe there is maybe a few other bike companies. Um, they're smaller, um, but we are the first uh, bicycle manufacturer um, to Got be it. part of the B Corp. Now I know that one, um, but as for Bikes. I think there's somebody maybe like in the Netherlands or something like that that does some smaller stuff. But but I can definitely say as manufacturers, we're, we're it. So about three years ago is when the company decides 
yep, let's let's walk down this road. Let's go through this process. Do you, do you happen to remember like when you guys got the official certification? You know, like when did this actually become a thing? Yeah. Oh, it, it was just recently. So it was in the middle of all the stuff we're in right now. I want to say it was like, yeah. I have to go back and look at my email exact date, but it was a Friday and it was, I want to say it's two weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago yeah. or three weeks ago. I can't remember. Guys, it's horrible. I can't remember. It's just things are flying past me right now. I, I, I have to use a <laughs> yeah. calendar to keep up with stuff. Um, but I was, I actually took a half a day off of work and I was, with my family, just taking a break. It was, it was, it was the week before spring break for my kids were supposed to go on spring break. And I promised them I would just spend an afternoon with them since obviously we're not doing anything for spring break. And on my way home, uh, Daniel, our HR uh, manager called me up and said, holy smokes, we are a certified B Corp. Just got the, just got the news. And it was like 4.50 in the afternoon. And literally I stopped my vehicle and I got out and did a dance. And my wife was laughing. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I've got a party, man. Are you kidding me? I got to have a little me party for about two seconds here. Give me a moment. And then I'll get back in and start driving again. (laughs) I mean, so this is fresh. This is new, but where I was going with this is this has been a three year process Um, So I think that in and of itself can probably tip people off to the fact that this is a more or less involved process. But now then, that's, I guess, what I want to ask you about. I mean, walk us through a bit, like, what have you guys been doing for the past three years on the the path to get this certification? Well, uh, let me make it clear for the first, like... For the first like year, it was really me just just meeting with people um, that were B Corp, you know, certified companies and just having lunch with them and just walking through that process with them. Because the big thing for us is, you know, we we have we're fortunate that Chris has built a company that has all this value in it. I mean, this is this isn't weird to us. We're like, wow, okay, well, you know we do this already. This is kind of cool. So walking through the process was more like, what are you guys getting for doing this? I, I needed to understand it. So that's what that year long process was, was just like interviewing people, um, just spending time with these people to find out what they, you know, what they really felt after they've been in it for a while. Is it worth going through it? That, you know, so there was a good year of that. Uh, and of course it wasn't worked on solid for a year, but it was, you know, I mean, I met with a lot of people and then when we hit the go button, when we saw the assessment part of it, we were kind of like, okay, it looks like we got a lot of stuff, you know, here in this assessment. We should be able to move through this relatively quickly. The thing that we didn't anticipate was, and this is a good problem, but it's hard to defend sometimes, is when you have started your business as Chris did 44 years ago, when you started a business off kind of doing the right things from the beginning, to measure changes that make you better uh-huh. doesn't exist, right? So the thing that we were started running into, which we were like, oh my gosh, this is never thought of this being a problem, was, okay, well, if you do this, how does that improve over, let's just use our, our puck master, for instance, because that's a good one to use. So if you didn't recycle the way that you do, how much are you saving by doing how you're doing it? And we're literally going, we don't know what it's like not to do this. 
I mean, this is what we do. We don't have data saying, oh, well, 10 years ago, for the last 10 years, we did it this really bad way and we decided we should do something better. So we changed. And this is what the benefit was. That was the hardest part, I think, getting through this was, you know, they wanted all these kind of a, a kind of a, uh, you know, a cause and effect scenario, right? Like, oh, well, then you guys made this change. How did that help you? And it's going, well, we didn't change. We've mm-hmm. done it that way from the beginning. You know, <laughs> so it, it, that was the part that that we really started scratching our heads. It was like, man, I, I don't know how to I don't know how to quantify you know, I mean, we know we can go back and kind of make estimates, but we're, you know, when you've done things right out of the gate and you took all the time to do it, all the, all the energy and the headache and all that stuff that we do here to, you know, and Chris's, that's his belief, right? I mean, that's, that's built into the DNA of the company. That is not like a marketing gimmick or something cool to put on the wall. It's like, no, that, that's, that's in the DNA of this company. It's really interesting then you're kind of going, wow, I I don't know. I guess I don't know how to fully quantify that because I've never really done it that that way. That's really not good. (laughs) Uh You know, it's like I've always recycled. We've always tried figuring out ways to use better materials. And anytime we can, we do it. This company becomes very unique for those reasons. You know, it's a it's a very organic company. It's grown this way. So that, I think that was one of our bigger challenges that we get pushback and we didn't, we couldn't quite figure out how to get them what they wanted to see, but we're over here going, but we're doing it better than anybody else is doing it. So do you, you know, kind of looking back at the B lab going, well, do you have a matrix? Like what should we be doing to be better? Right. And so that's the part that, but I think that's where, I feel really confident in this company, and this is another piece of coming onto the B Corp. I want to help the B Corp. We want to partner with the B Corp. We want to help them succeed at figuring out how to get more manufacturers into this. And clearly, by going through this process, we realize we have we have something we can offer to the B Lab and then to people who really want to go down this path of, you know, assistance and help and understanding and maybe different ways to score things in through the, the, um, through the assessment process. I mean, I'm speaking, you know, we have not started to work with the B lab yet on any of this, but this is our head. Our process is going around like, Hey, we need a partner. We want to partner with you and make this even better. So, you know, there was a solid over a solid year of data just moving numbers, documenting, you know, and this isn't just environmental, right? It's social, it's, it's, um, you know, transparency uh, with your business, what you're doing. So, you know, I think a lot of people lean to the green side. We knew we had that in spades, Um, but every business can do better. There's not one business out there that can't do better. And I think the other piece then that I did see that the B Corp brought to the table was starting to help you develop a roadmap, right? And what do we need to work on that we maybe aren't working on? Because we, let's, let's be honest, it, it, we're all creatures of habit, right? So if we do something really well, we always migrate towards that. We don't like to work on the things that we don't do well at. And I think the B, the B Corp kind of helps us kind of lay this out. So as we start to work on things, we can actually say things like, hey, should we spend money on X? 
And we can kind of go back to our assessment and have our goals in line with that assessment and go, well, I think we need to do better at this part of our business. So I don't know if we should do that over here. Can we do something better over here? And it starts to help you be this balanced business versus you know, way on one side or way on the other side. But it kind of starts getting you kind of in that sweet spot where you're going, well, we got more things to worry about than just environmental. We got more things to worry about than just social. We got more things to worry about than just, you know, transparency. So that was the other piece that I really liked about it was um, as an operator, kind of my role, it's nice to be able to kind of put something together from an outside source that can be a little bit, they don't have anything, any skin in the game, right? They can call it out be like, I don't think you're doing really well at this. Thank you for telling me. You're probably really right. I probably need to do better at that. So the, the, those that's the other side of the, of the B Corp that I really appreciated was just trying to figure out how to be more of a well-balanced business. And so, and you know, when I worked with my HR guy and Daniel and I worked with a production manager and, and our marketing guy, Bob, everybody saw it all the same way. They're like, yeah, this is great. We need to do this is awesome, you know? I, like I said, I can talk a lot about it because it's there's there's a lot of uh, pieces to it. I think for us, it wasn't just like I said, it wasn't just scoring and getting a logo and now market market the hell out of a logo. That is not what our our take on this was. Our take was if I can sit at the table with people like Patagonia, New Seasons, New Belgium Brewery. I mean, these people they've got a little bit of horsepower, right? So it's like, well, let's get on the table with all of these people because we're all like-minded. And let's see if we can really kind of put our heads down and do some good, you know, with our businesses. So I, I think in a nutshell, that's, you know, kind of my take on it. So is it fair to say, because I, I feel like I heard you say this, there is a maybe a degree to which, like, the more of a dumpster fire you are at the start, in a way the easier the process would be. Like, it seems like there's a real understandable interest in the kind of, say, percentage change, mm -hmm. right? So if it's like, oh, wow, we haven't been really doing much of anything on the recycling front, it is going to be maybe easier for a company to make efforts that are sort of celebrated and acknowledged better or more easily than a company like yours, where you guys are like, well, we've kind of already been doing that for a long time. It's going to be a smaller kind of percentage change perhaps, right? Like I'm, I'm honestly still just really trying to get clear on the mechanisms for how this all works. Sure. I think I could agree with that. Um, you know, if, yeah, I think that if you're, you know, if this is something that either a company bought another company or maybe an ownership change, I don't know, something's happened, right? And people are like, we got to do better, you know, or the hopefully they're just their, you know, stakeholders um, and shareholders all just came together and said, we need to do better. We, we can do better than what we do, right? And they have a vision for that. I, I do believe what you said is is pretty accurate. You know, you could show some significant changes, some significant movement in, in directions that you never did. Um, like if you were someone who was just really focused on the bottom line, period, end of subject, done, right? Like we got to make maximum profits. I think that, yeah, if you can broaden your thought and start putting in, you know, other mechanisms in your building, which is, you know, look at everybody's pay structure and, 
and well, do we need to recycle? How do we do that? Um, what are we doing in the community? Do our employees know what we're doing? Is there transparency? Those things. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you could. It'd be a little easier, an easier process, no doubt. Okay. So the other thing is, I don't know how much other people are kind of like me or kind of in this same boat, but I think that for many of us, we think of B Corp as being sort of first and foremost some sort of environmental certification. And while that's true, it does seem like it's actually, I mean, you're talking about social responsibility initiatives and things like that. And so maybe help us understand that better if if there are those people who are kind of like, oh, is this just some fancy recycling program or something? Like talk a little bit more about the broader nature of the B Corp and what this all encompasses. Yeah. Okay. So the, 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 the thing that the B Corp is going to do, right. And the thing that we see just going through this is once again, it makes, it helps you become a, a well-rounded company. So what it does is it, it even gets all the way into your supply chain, right? So the people you're doing business with, um, how do they run their business? Now, of course you can't go digging too far into somebody else's business, right? They, the, you hope that you have a strong enough business relationship with those vendors that they want to share that with you and they want to walk down this this road with you as well. The B Corp, what they're trying to do is they're trying to basically build partnerships, right? Um, so as you're bringing on vendors, we're looking at other vendors as in like, hey, this stuff's important to us, right? We've got this whole list of things. There's this, and you can go onto the the, the B Corporation website and, and see all the stuff in here. But it's really, you know, it's all about, you know, our workers, our customers, our community, our environmental pieces. And are you interested in that? Because if you are, I want to do more business with you. If you're not, I'm probably going to go try to find somebody else who is interested in that. And it just brings transparency out. So when people are making decisions, I hope that when people make decisions to buy product or whatever, it's 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 that mentality of, hey, are you going to go to, you know, go to the low budget tool store? And I'm not going to say names and buy four of the three dollar wrenches because they're going to break every time you do it. Uh, but you can buy three wrenches for the price of one craftsman or something. Right. It's it's trying to get people's mindset out of that, trying to move people away from that, where you hope that someone goes, oh, wow, this company, they care about their employees, so they're, they're treating them the best they can. They care about their community, so they're doing things within their community, so they're a force of good in there. Um, they're only doing business with people who have a lot of the same similar you know ethos or, or vision. So when I buy that product or their services, because it's not always product-based, it's service-based as well, um, then I know my dollars are going somewhere. I know I'm, I know I'm spending wisely with my dollars. Um, and I can, I can go home at the end of the day and go, yeah, I maybe paid a little bit more, but pff, at least I know what's going on. So, you know, I think going through this process, that was the piece that we were, we were really getting to. It was really hard for us to talk about that by ourselves. And we needed we needed a bigger platform to be able to have uh, to bring more people into the fold. I mean, you never know someone who's not even in the bike business right now or even is a, you know, is a cyclist right now. They might be looking at becoming a cyclist in two weeks from now or a month from now. 
And we hope that this plays a role. And when somebody starts, you know, actually shelling out some money, like, well, you know, what's the difference between these two companies, right? Is it just color or is it actually um, supporting something? So going through the process was, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. But it has, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good process we went through, and I, I, I hope our consumers, I hope our business, I, I know we've gotten a lot of people that once this happened, came back and was just like, holy smokes, this is amazing. Hmm. So, you know, hearing that back, you know, was good to say, okay, well, we definitely chased something down that people are interested in, that at least that we know of so far. But Jonathan, I mean. If you're really going to be a force of, I mean, you, I don't want to go too deep on this, but you know, you're getting an opportunity right now, and the way everything sits in the situation we've got right now, to really, if you don't bury your head in the sand, you just look around, don't say anything, just look around and observe things. You know, we have to do things differently, and I want to make sure, you know, and everybody here in this company wants to make sure that at least we're doing our part to do that, to do something better. So. You know, whether that's you, you try to do it yourself, great. I mean, I'm not, you know, I think that's awesome. I mean, Chris has done it for you know, 43 years, 44 years, right? Or if you feel that you're at a point that it's time to start joining forces so we can actually really do something together, hmm. uh, you know, this might be the right platform for someone to look at. What do you think has been the most surprising thing that you learned throughout this process? <laughs> I think... One of the most surprising things is learning. I don't think there are that many manufacturers that even come close to doing what we do. And I thought there would be more out there. At least that was my assessment. What do you mean by that? Well, just taking the time to to really understand your supply chains and understand, you know, uh, the environmental piece of being a manufacturer. Uh, now I'm talking about manufacturing specifically. Um, the, you know, the waste that you produce as a manufacturer, the things that you go through as a manufacturer and how you need to, you know, you need to be smart at what you do to make sure you don't make a lot of waste. And I, I think just the questions that we got asked and how we had to come back and, and look at things, it really, we just kind of all sat around. I was like, wow, there must not be many manufacturers doing this if, if this is the process we're going through, Right. So I think that was, you know, I kind of thought there would be a little more, I don't know. I thought there would be, you know, more people like, oh, yeah, we understand that. This is how we want to look at that uh, because we've we've talked to a lot of people that do that. It, it always seems to surprise me that when we talk about it or go through a process of something that we do here, people really are like, wow, you do that? Like, yeah, doesn't, don't most people do that? <laughs> um and they don't. So, you know, it, sometimes when you live in your in your own kind of like, you know, you're here every day, all day long, living, eating, breathing your business, the business here. Um, and then when you stick your head up a little bit and look around, you kind of go, whoa, I guess we are kind of out here by ourselves um, doing some of these things. So I think that just kind of brought back that was one of the surprises. Right. And in how many manufacturers there aren't in the B Corporation. Mm -hmm. And that's where we, that's back to, that's what we saw as something that we could add back was how can we get more manufacturers into the B Corporation? Okay. So you are saying here that you were kind of surprised, like, wait, other manufacturers aren't doing this or that. I want to 
press you, if I may, on some of the specifics. Like, what are we talking about here? A couple of things that I think that, you know, that we do pretty well that I don't know if other people are actually doing. One, you know, when we make chips, we sort our chips. So we do a really good job at making sure that like materials are with each other. Um, we spend a lot of time making sure they're separated. We, we have this thing called a puck master. We compress those chips. Um, so we make these little pucks. And what that does is that allows us to use less vats to, to contain the, the chips in. So that means less trips to our facility by a recycler. It's already sorted. It's clean because we press as much of the oil off, it, off of it as we can. So we get the best recycled dollar for the product. And then the material or the, the, the cutting oil we use, the canola oil, there, it's not a hazardous material. I mean, I can go out and heck, I've got videos of me doing it, <laughs> licking the licking the oil off of machines, right? So uh, we have no byproduct, hazardous byproduct from our oil. We use the machines, the canola oil, and technically, it has almost an infinite recycled life. So when we bring it back and you know pull it back through the centrifuge after we take it off the chips we can put it right back into the machine. And the only time we have to replace our oil is we lose some because some will fall on the floor, some evaporates. So you do have some loss, but you know, it, it's not like, well, we can recycle it or, or reuse it two or three times, but then we've got kind of this hazardous material here that we got to figure out how to get rid of. We don't have that. So one of the big things that happened in the B Corp was that question, like, well, what kind of hazardous materials do you have? And we're like, we don't. That was, I think, when we're talking about we don't, it was kind of like, what? You're a manufacturer, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, but we use canola oil, um, which doesn't have it. We use walnut shells to do all of our, you know, our finishing and stuff on headsets and whatnot. So we're using walnut shells. We don't even use water for any of the, any of the um, polishing compound we use. It's a dry compound. So we're not even using water. It was a lot of those things that Chris set in motion, oh my gosh, years ago, right? Because it was the right thing to do that I, I realized, you know, and, and our bottom line does suffer a little from that, right? Because those things cost money to do. They're not easy. They're, they're you know, systems you have to figure out, but it's a commitment the company has made forever. And um, so those are the things I guess I'm talking about that, you know, there are a lot of things manufacturers, I think, can do. It's just, will they do it? Because it does impact your bottom line a little bit for a little while, right? Until you can recoup it or understand it better and work with it. But those are just, those are just a few of the examples mm -hmm. that you can see, you know, like we had to say, oh, wow, you don't use water in your, in your compound, uh, on your buffing compound? It's like, well, no. And they're like, well, then how much water do you save? Like, I don't know how much water we save because <laughs> right. we never use water. Right, I don't right. know. Got I mean, it. we don't use it. Zero? I mean, we, we save 100%. <laughs> we you know, um, so it was like questions like that is where I started going, wow, so this is really foreign to a lot of people of what we're doing. Hmm. So, uh, you know, those are just some highlights. I mean, I didn't even get into the water loop system we use here to heat and cool the building. And that's, that's you see water loop systems in hospitals not in a 75,000 square foot facility. And then, you know, having uh, our heat treat oven here, you know, that heat treat oven, we can actually use, uh, we can actually use the energy off that heat treat oven to heat up the, the water 
in the water loop um, to actually heat the building in the winter. Or we can capture that heat and uh, put it up on the on the roof on a um, on a big radiator system that at night we can actually cool it so it uses less energy because the temperature, you know, the air temperature goes down. So we're doing all these things that I think a lot of manufacturers can do. You know, it's kind of apparent going through this. It's like, wow, I guess we are definitely out there kind of by ourselves. And I hope there are other manufacturers yeah. doing it. And I hope they all come to the, I hope they come to the B Corp. Yeah. I hope they reach out because this is the goal, right? Is not to be on an island by yourself. It's like, no, we all should be doing this. Let's, let's share some of the technology with each other, right? How can we be better at this? Yeah, share. And so that, that makes a lot of sense kind of now, I think with some of those concrete examples earlier in this conversation talking about we wanted to be at the table, right? We want to sort of share. It's an exchange of ideas and not just ideas. It's an exchange of actual processes, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, maybe it's New Belgium is doing this thing that's awesome. And we never really thought about that or, you know, and then you guys are like, well, we've been doing this thing. And that's something that some of the other B Corp companies could think be like, oh, that's interesting. What would it be like for us to implement that? So I think that that sounds like that's what you're talking about. It is what I'm talking about. And I'm sorry it took me a long time to get there. <laughs> it took you a while to get there, Kirby. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we got you, you there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You're you're 100. You're on it. You're on it, Jonathan. That's what it, that is exactly what I mean by sitting at the table. You know, is is doing good together, right? You're figuring these things out together, and you're not. You're not hiding this stuff from each other. You are learning from each other and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to help everybody's business be a little bit better. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that's, that is exactly what sitting at the table is, right? I mean, you're sharing, you're sharing information with one another and you're like-minded. So you're not afraid of each other. It's like, yeah, man, let's, you know, let's go deep on this. What could we do better? And someone's not just, you know, oh my gosh, you guys are crazy. And it's like, well, no, we're all crazy sitting at this table. Come on. <laughs> okay let me just ask by the way let me ask the i guess probably the dumb question that's my job here kirby i'm here to ask the dumb questions you were talking about chips and i'm sort of sitting here thinking like all right chips um is that a like part of a headset or what <laughs> what specifically are you talking about here well, chips are when you manufacture uh, metal, you make chips. So what it is is it's just the f just little pieces of metal either coming off the part as you're making it, or in these long curly strands coming off the part as you make it. Um, and that is the number one. That is one of the number one things that uh, you'll hear manufacturers talk about is like your chips. You can learn a lot from chips. You can see how your manufacturing is running and stuff by analyzing chips. Um, so it's just the it's just the byproduct of as you're either turning something um, down, you're, you're making chips. So this is another word for like waste, right? If we're starting- It is, absolutely. Okay, okay. Like I said, I'm, I'm here to clarify and ask the, the hard hitting dumb questions. But, um, <laughs> and I, I think it's really interesting actually to hear you talk about it at, the, at that kind of micro level. And so you've talked about things like the way we're heating our building. You're talking about uh, you guys, I, apparently, is it true that you only use canola oil in, mm -hmm. in keeping machines running? I mean, any other steps like that, that you can share with us or would care to share with us? 
Well, there's, I mean, there's a lot. Um, and this is where if I can get you out here, I'm going to get you on a four hour tour and it's right. going to blow your mind. But um, the, the other things that we do is, um, you know, we're very specific at, at the machines that we have bought and the machines that we do buy. And it has to do with, are they serviceable? Can they be serviced? Can we buy parts for them? When you come here and you notice there's not a bunch of brand new machines laying around. And there's a reason for that. Uh, everything here has got a has a purpose. And so even in that thought process of buying a machine, it's like, okay, what does it do? How can we fix it? Is it modifiable? Does it last a long time? You'll see on our shop floor, we have stuff that's from World War II. And the reason for it is, is because it's made well, it works, it does what it's supposed to do. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't need fancy new machines. We need machines that work really well that we can fix. That's part of the thing, right? It's like, I don't want to just get a brand new CNC machine that's really cool. And then in five years, you're trying to sell it and buy another one. So even, even to that level, um, the way that we even purchase machines, having a cafe on site, we're keeping people from driving somewhere to go eat. We're feeding them good food at a, at a discounted price because it's only for the staff here. So we're keeping, you know, from there, we're doing dishes. So there's no paper plates. There's no paper forks. There's no straws. There's none of that stuff, right? And, and people have, uh, they have their full break time to actually sit back and relax and enjoy the time, you know, the time that they have for lunch or their, or their breaks throughout the day. They're not scrambling, trying to rush somewhere to go get something to eat. Um, and it just takes the stress off someone having to worry about, well, what am I going to do for lunch tomorrow before I go to work? If they forget and they don't want to bring something, there's a cafe here actually cooking good food um, for breakfast and lunch. So even even on that level, trying to you know keep waste down by emissions of just driving um, and then waste of just paper bags and all that kind of stuff, right? That happen or, or plastic little things that you get a sandwich in. And then even we even go uh, with our recycle or our uh, commute program. If you ride up, if you take any source of transportation besides driving yourself in your car, so it's you walk, you skateboard, you bike, you commute, you take you know public transportation, you get uh, cafe credits in our in our cafe, so you can actually earn credits to eat for free in the cafe, and that just once again is just a promotion to try to eliminate you know any kind of waste possible. You know, I mean, anytime that we bring anything into this building, it gets scrutinized. I mean, even even I remember, gosh, who was it? Can't remember one of our suppliers. You know, it's a big supplier. It's like you know, Cintas or something. Somebody changed something, and we normally got those uh, rag um, dispensers in the in the bathrooms, right? That you mm-hmm. pull down and wipe your hands on. And the reason why we have that is because we don't want you know paper products, you know, just being thrown in the trash can. It's like you can you can clean those and recycle those. And I remember they made a change and someone came in and said, well, we're going to change up and do this. And our purchasing person was like, you can't know, then we're not doing business with you. Hmm. So either you're figuring out how to get those back or we're not going to do business with you. All the way down to even just the hand towels in the bathroom, you know, are looked at and scrutinized. Um, Any material we want to bring in, especially if it's a, if it's a chemical of any sort, goes through all sorts of, you know, like, okay, what's the MS, you know, look at the MS, you know, the MS sheets and, and what is it made out of? Is it hazardous? Is it non-hazardous? Can we use something else in its place if it is? You know, and that's, I guess it's, 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's stuff all over this building. Light fixtures, you know, the way we heat and cool, even with big uh, chicken fans on the side of the walls, pulling air and, and moving airflow a certain way so heat and air moves through the building uh, easier than just putting big old, you know, big old whatever 10 ton air, com- you know, air conditioning units all over the place. I mean, that's just another example of it. It's really interesting to hear all those things. I mean, I, I think it it just is a good reminder, I think, like for all of us who like are not companies, just people, right? You know, and then also yeah. for companies, like there's a lot of things that I think we can just be, try to be a bit more thoughtful about. And, you know, some of those steps will probably have bigger specific impacts than others, but it's still just a good exercise and habit to be into, right? Like thinking through, is there a way we can tweak or improve this element of our daily lives or our business lives? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I know I go through it uh, anytime I purchase something. I mean, it's just, I probably drive myself batty because it takes me forever to buy something because I research it so much. But, you know, and there's, I mean, there's certain, there's certain places that you do the best that you can. There's other places that, you know, no matter how hard you search, you're just not going to maybe quite find what you, what is in your mind as in what I'm looking for. But as long as you're doing the due diligence and, and you're, you're making an effort, I mean, that's the first step, right? It's just being conscious of it. Just like, oh yeah, okay, if I do have a choice, you know, what am I making? What is my choice, right? And, and by making that choice, am I helping make a difference? I think it feels good, you know? I mean, just just on that note, just kind of like uh, the guys that you know over at Owen 3P, right? Yeah. I was so jazzed to get a pair of their skis this year, you know, because it was like, yeah, yeah, I could walk over there. I could see Scott. I could see Kip. Those dudes are working hard. They're treating their people right, you know, and they're making a great product. And of course, I want to support that. It occurs to me that we've just talked for about an hour and have really not said anything in particular about any specific Chris King Precision Components products. (laughs) So that's interesting and a first. Why don't I give you a few minutes to talk a little bit about whatever you feel like talking about? I mean, (laughs) um, what, what are you particularly maybe just subjectively excited about in terms of what you guys are doing um the floor is yours oh my gosh uh well i mean one of the things that we do make here is we make we make bearings and i think that is absolutely a special uh a special product here in this building and the only reason why one of the reasons why i do say that is Making a hub shell, making a cup for a headset, making it pretty colored, all that kind of stuff, putting some laser marks on it. That's not really rocket science by any means. I mean, people can figure out how to do that. But when it gets into the inner workings of actually the ball bearings, there's a reason why a lot of people don't do that. And I think that is something that I always get excited about, even though it's a little piece that fits in your hand. But there's four of those in a hub. And there's two of those in a headset and two of those in a bottom bracket. And at the end of the day, um, all those things need to spin, right? And that that piece is something that I get really excited about. It's a serviceable part. And uh, I just, 
I always, when I'm walking by assembly and assemblies, putting them together by hand, I just smile. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is, you know, I've had a lot of people come through the building and they say like, you guys actually do make bearings? Hmm. Like, yes, that's the magic. That's, that's where it all comes down, right? The magic is there. They're serviceable. You can, it's what keeps the product running for, for, you know, shoot eons. Um, so I'm always really excited to talk about bearings, even though I don't know that much about them, like how we actually make them. That's Chris's, Chris's, you know, uh, side of it. Um, but that is super cool. Our lifetime warranty. I get really excited about those kind of things because I know that just plays right back into who we are. Um, you know, we make product to last a lifetime and love, I mean, as long as the industry doesn't make too many standard changes, the product would last for a very, very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, but whenever the industry decides to make some big swinging changes, unfortunately, uh, out of our control, it can alienate things, but, but you can still use a lot of the parts inside like a hub or whatever to, uh, to retrofit to a, a new style. But I mean, uh, I, I get off more than just the just the product. I really like just the design aspect and the engineering aspect we've put into all these parts of ours. Um, they're just really thought out when you really start diving into it. It's it's not just somebody thought about it for a day, whipped it up on you know CAD, and it's like yeah, we can do this. It's well, no, that's going to take us probably three months to figure out because we're going to beat it up until it's you know until it's almost dead and then bring it back to life and do it the right way. Hmm. And I, that's what I love. So, um, you know, we're just constantly trying to build on that platform, right? Any product that we release just has to go through that. So, you know, I guess some of the things I'm excited about right now is our lifetime warranty that we, we put out, our B Corp, you know, that we're part of. I think this is all. And now get into the product side. We are looking at some, uh, some new stuff from maybe 2021. Unfortunately, I can't talk about it. Hmm. Um, but we are looking at a couple different things, maybe for 2021 that, uh, we've wanted to do for a while. And, um, I think this, this, unfortunately, the situation we're in right now, it depends how this all goes, how these things work. Right. So, you know, we've been doing bottom brackets, uh, hubs and headsets, headsets for, you know, 44 years, yeah. uh, hubs since the nineties and, and bottom brackets, I don't know, we've been doing bottom brackets probably for the last whatever, 15 years. You know, the stuff is designed from the very beginning to last a lifetime, so we don't have to do a lot to it once it's done. It's pretty good. I mean, on the whole, like we recycle or we do all these environmental things, there's still truly something to be said about products that last a very, very long time, right? Yeah, it's sometimes, absolutely. Sometimes that still gets overlooked, you know, but it's like, yeah, I, I think that's a good one. And it's a good one for us to just keep in mind, right? And and uh, that's been part and parcel of kind of the, I think, the Chris King identity for a yeah. very long time. And it's just one that shouldn't be overlooked, I think. Well, you know, the funny thing, go back to the lifetime warranty real quick. Um, when we started talking, well, we've talked about this for a long time. And uh, it was just, it finally really kind of just got brought up. It was like, are we doing this or what? Because... We already, people send stuff back, we replace it, you know, and just, we have one person who does our tech and warranty. One person, you know, and um, and Tyler's awesome. He does a great job. And so we just started spinning around and Chris literally looked at us across the table and was like, I don't know why we're not doing it already. I told you guys years ago just to do this. You know, I mean, it's, it's so, it, it was just so built into everything. We just, 
we just never pulled the trigger on it, right? And finally, it was like, shoot, let's just pull the trigger on it. Turn on a lifetime warranty. Why not, right? And that was, yeah, and, and going into the B Corp thing with the lifetime warranty, you know, that was, that was even another interesting one because, you know, we really look at lifetime warranty as that cradle-to-grave mentality, not just replacing a part, right? So we use it as, well, okay, if something breaks – and it's, it's pretty well known, right? Maybe, you know, I mean, some piece, you can see it or something like that. But most of the time, we'll ask for it to come back because if it is broke, first off, we won't just, re- we won't just replace a product. We'll, we'll fix it, right? So we can actually fix our product. So we'll fix the broken part of the product, but it's not just like, oh, here, here's another bottom bracket or headset. Just throw the other one away and just put that one in your bike and go on your way. That's not what we're about. Like these things shouldn't be breaking. So if they break, we want to see them first. And then two, if they did break, we'll replace it, fix it. And then we'll recycle the part. So we can go back and recycle the part the proper way. And it doesn't end up in the landfill. So that's, you know, those are, those are really, you know, when you get down to the lifetime warranty of our stuff, it's really the cradle to grave mentality. Um, And we're trying to figure out how to do that better. I mean, there's, there's ways that we need to do that better. And we're trying to figure out, you know, how can, I don't, you know, we've had all these ideas of, of sending things back to us so we can recycle them the proper way. And, and how does that work though? Right. I mean, how do consumers do that easily? So yeah, we've been looking at, you know, we're, we're always looking at stuff like that and the product, the product accepts that like, yeah, of course. We're going to wrap up and I'm going to let you get back to the factory floor there. Any things you'd like to say to any other manufacturers, either in the bike industry in particular or the outdoor industry more broadly? You know, I just, I mean, I want to share with people, you know, what we do. And I hope that inspires other people to do things like that. We are out, we are an outdoor industry and we need to take care of our outdoors. So I just hope that everybody that's in this space that is either making bikes or, clothing for it or whatever it is. You're just in this space that you remember that, you know, the out, the outdoors is what keeps us all here and people purchasing our stuff and keeps people employed. So we need to take care of it. So there's no reason to not just take an extra step every now and then when you can to do something, maybe just a little bit better. So always challenge yourself, you know, constantly challenge yourself. It's never, it's, you've never done enough. You can always do more. So I guess that's probably my broad stroke at that. Well, is there anything else we should touch on before we wrap up here? Well, I guess there's one thing that we have been doing for the last few years that I think is pretty important. Uh, You know, we're doing our yearly open house. And that was really our goal with that open house going on four years now is, is to give that safe place to have these discussions. Um, in the industry, you know, what consumers, what's good for the consumer, what's good for the, for the, for our dealers. And, you know, are we doing those things right and having a safe place that we can all kind of come together and we can have these discussions and try to work together. I mean, of course, we're all going to have our, uh, our proprietary stuff or patent things or, you know, technology you're working on, but in, in, in the bigger scope of it, you know, are, are we working together um, to make sure we we have a healthy industry that consumers like to be involved in, 
and we're doing it to the best that we can and not trying to be a bunch of individuals, you know, trying to stake your, you know, place in the ground. So I think that's really, that's really neat. Our, our open house that's been going on now and we've had some, we've had a really good turnout every year and that's, that's really exciting. That's another piece that, that I, I think it would be really fun to get my, uh, potentially my marketing guy to talk about it a little bit. Hmm. But I think that's, that's that with the absence of inner bike and you saw all that stuff go away, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was trying to create that safe place to have those conversations that, you know, we're doing good in our industry. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be working together and making sure the consumer uh, understands what we're doing and not kind of where we were about five years ago which the consumer was kind of the consumer confidence was going down and things were flying all over the place. They're like, what is going on? Well, it's always fun when there's kind of more, there's more in the tank, you know, and, and, and um, that's probably a good sign. I would say that you folks do have a lot of good things going on at the moment. And um, so, yeah, I guess credit to everybody on the the squad over at, at, at Chris King and um but yeah, I think um, you know we we came in with a fairly specific mission today of one hearing how you guys were how things were going, and then um, to kind of get your take having just crossed the finish line on this this B Corp certification. So I think we did a decent job on our mission for the day. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, Kirby, listen. Thanks. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I this is just something I've been really curious again, to talk to a company that's just come through this process. So appreciate your thoughts and your insight and, um, you know, sharing with us how you folks are trying to do things at, at Chris King. And uh, yeah, appreciate all of it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Jonathan. This has been great. Well, cool. And, you know, we were talking about us getting out to, to the factory and then this whole COVID thing sort of showed up, but it is still uh, it is still on my to-do list at some point, hopefully in the nearer future than, uh, yeah. than further out. So um, look forward to uh, coming and seeing the place. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually look forward to trying to get Chris uh, with you to really learn some history about this place. You know, I'm looking forward to that one too. And uh, we we made a hard call today to uh, not delve into all of the history, but um, mm-hmm. so we're that is that is also on our to do list. And uh, yeah, when uh, when the time is right, we'll we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fantastic. You'll enjoy it. That's for sure. <laughs> well, thanks, Kirby. Uh, this has been fun, and look forward to connecting sometime real soon. Okay, thank you very much, Jonathan. All right, have a great day. You too. That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. Thanks to Kirby for the conversation. Thanks to Jared Farley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. And keep in mind, I think it was our last Bikes and Big Ideas episode where we talked about our Blister Crash Course videos, aka our listener appreciation videos. So if you are enjoying Bikes and Big Ideas, We would appreciate it if you would leave us a nice rating in Apple Podcasts. And to show you our appreciation for doing so, remember, we're going to go make a bunch of videos of a number of our bike reviewers doing really stupid but really awesome things on bikes. So if you don't know what I'm talking about here, check out our last episode. That's episode number 22 of Bikes and Big Ideas. 
give that a listen. And again, I think that's some pretty good incentive to go leave us that rating in Apple Podcasts. Okay, that's it for now. Until next time, please take good care out there and we will talk to you again next week.